I don't want to see a beige cubicle. I want to see gardens going throughout the space. I want to find nooks and crannies where people can hide out to come up with great ideas and wide open spaces to see the horizon line so they can see the sunset. In early 2020, spread of the COVID-19 pandemic changed the world in ways no one could predict. One effect was a revolution in the way many people work. Flexible and remote work became part of our culture. The office had to compete with working at home, and employees' expectations on the work environment changed dramatically. As a result, businesses over the past several years continue to re-examine the fundamentals of how people work in order to find a balance between the needs of the company and the satisfaction of their employees. You're listening to Shaping Sustainable Places, a new Skenska podcast. We're here to recognize, encourage, and inspire stakeholders in the industry and beyond to accelerate the transition to a more sustainable, resilient, zero-carbon-built environment. In each episode, we'll be speaking with industry and civic leaders, policymakers, and other champions of change to explore innovative solutions to real challenges. Today, host Charlie Cicchetti talks with three industry experts to learn more about how some of these changes are affecting work life and to explore what the future of the office looks like in a post-pandemic world. We'll start with Dr. Whitney Austin Gray, who's a senior vice president of research at the International Well-Building Institute, known as IWBI, a global authority for transforming health and well-being in buildings, organizations, and communities around the world. Well, it's an honor to be here. And for all of the listeners who are architects and planners and designers and engineers and real estate professionals, we need you in public health. And if no one said this to you before, you actually are public health advocates because you spend 90% of your time indoors, which if you're 50, that's about 45 years of your life. If you want to know how many hours that is in the pandemic, it's been 5,000 hours. that you've been working since the pandemic started. So the places that you spend time greatly affect how long and how well you will live. And so public health is all about preventing diseases and injuries by the millions. I can tell you love the work you do. So tell us a little bit about maybe IWBI and some of the things that are keeping you busy at work today. Yeah, absolutely. I do love what I get to do, mostly because I get to be with incredibly creative, passionate people that make things happen. To see a building, to see a campus, and to see people living healthier after moving into a well-certified space over a year. And then also just on this really basic level, just people connecting with other colleagues, whether that's through food, through movement, rethinking about work, is what happens when you design healthy places. And people think a healthy place is an exception. And unfortunately, right now, it is. So one in four buildings in the U.S., are considered a sick building. We've done some work on that since that term was introduced, but we have a lot more work to do. So entering this pandemic, the International Well Building Institute led the Well Building Standard, which is a set of 100 different features that collectively allow organizations to certify to be a healthy organization. We were at 400 million square feet going into the pandemic. We are now over 4 billion. We have to make the places that we live and work healthy for the millions of people in this world. So doing better doesn't mean more money. It means being smarter. It means going to work with those 
passionate, creative people that actually design and create these spaces. And Well gives us a roadmap. It says, here's a hundred different strategies that you can use to accomplish that. And that is what we're up to the International Building Institute. We really, really, Charlie, are a family, kind of a crazy, funny family, but we welcome everyone into it because we need you. We need a voice that says it shouldn't be the way it used to be. It's not okay to work 10 hours a day on a beige, beige, beige office and then spend 90,000 hours of your life at work. It's not the way that it has to be. And luckily that is changing. And I think a lot of people on this call, listening to this podcast are up to making that change. And so it's an honor to work with you. You've got an amazing team. I know a lot of the team there at IWBI and you're a big part of this movement. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. So what, what has changed? You've mentioned just the billions of square feet now that are in programs like pursuing certification, HSR, probably portfolio. I know your team's had to evolve different product lines to just have an entry point into this healthy building movement. But what else have you seen change coming out of the pandemic? I think that we are at a moment in time. We are writing this chapter in history that we are fundamentally rethinking our health. We are fundamentally rethinking work. Those two things have to change. And people are saying it's not okay. So before the pandemic, work wasn't working. Around 83% of people in American Psychology Association studies said they had a work-related health issue in the last year. $311 billion was the price tag that was put on burnout in work. Think about that. For the last 100 plus years, we've done everything to make work safe. So we looked at physical hazards. We looked at biological, chemical hazards, and we tried to reduce that so the worker was healthy. And now we're killing people with psychosocial hazards. Work wasn't working for us. The idea that Kellogg had in 1930 of shortening the workday to six hours that fundamentally shifted the conversation around diversity. Women came into the workforce and even surged into the 80s asking that there's a different way that we work. And yet we weren't able to really adapt to that. Co-working raised the last two decades to say there could be different ways in the digital era to work. Yet somehow society still was in this large experiment that you agreed to, I call it agreement reality, where you went to an office from nine to five, and then you worked in the evening and then sometimes on the weekends and work was killing you and burnout was rampant. And we think that's just okay. It's not okay. So we can go through so many different examples of how companies are rethinking about what is work, where is work. At the International Building Institute, we work with organizations that often have four walls of a building, which are their headquarters or offices that people come to. But what we also saw during the pandemic is the companies that invest in well, it didn't matter where those four walls were, because largely we were really working with people to make sure their hybrid environments were safe too. And I'm talking about everything from particulate matter in your home to using filtration systems and cleaning strategies to thinking about nourishment to thinking, oh, this is a big one, stress, mental health. How do you manage isolation? So during an era where everyone is rethinking health, they're rethinking work, they're rethinking the four walls of work, well as saying, here's a hundred different strategies for health, for work 
that you need to be thinking about. And what we're seeing is intentionality. This is not optional. This is not someday. This is a resiliency plan. If you're not taking care of your people in the four walls or outside of the four walls in their homes, then don't be surprised that that quiet quitting is happening. And some organizations, frankly, there's quiet firing happening. There is a mix that's underway right now and everything is shifting. And Julie Hobsbawm has a great book on the nowhere office. And she just says, we're like in this snow globe moment. Everything's being shaken up and all the pieces are still landing. And so the people I don't trust, the ones that say this will absolutely be the future. It's the ones that say everything's in flux and we need to be examining health and work. And we need to find guidance leadership, and we need to take care of each other so that health and work doesn't continue to be the way that it used to be, which is the past, and I hope not the future. So you've been defining what a healthy workplace looks like. You're going to work with a lot of different companies in different regions where maybe there's air quality problems or water problems. But if you're a space planner and you're designing or redesigning an office, like are there a few examples you could give us of some new things you're seeing in offices? Yeah, absolutely. I think this idea of how do you trust your building is critical. So we used to walk into an office and take a deep breath and share an elevator with people that we didn't know and just assume that that place was healthy. We now no longer assume that. We don't necessarily trust our buildings. And for many companies, people don't want to return to the office. So where we're seeing some reinvention happen is building that trust, which means with well, we're seeing clients actually make the invisible visible, communicate that deep breath you took, what's in the air that you need to be aware of? How do you trust what you're doing? So as a designer, planner, as a you know um, architect, sustainability leader, you have an opportunity to be a public health advocate and actually communicate how the building helps you be healthy. Keep in mind, home environments are not necessarily healthy. So we are tracking high levels of particulate matter 2.5, in particular in home offices. And this is statistically higher than corporate commercial offices in this U.S. study. So we need to trust buildings. We need to understand what are we breathing and reinvent why people come to work. So I would say in that reinvention, again, quoting Julie Hobsbawm, I think she has a great concept around there's leaders, there's levers. And there's learners. There's three types of workers. And you have to understand when they come back to the office, they have very different needs. So this idea of just some soft seating and some office space and some cubicles doesn't really work until you examine that the work space is now more about community than it is about heads down work. So if I want to get work done, oftentimes people would say, I go home. So if you want your community of workers to use the workspace, we have to rethink about how space works or doesn't work for them. So I'm seeing lots of really exciting examples, right? So these are hub systems. So we want to think about how we get more than five people together in a space because that's that's the goal of why you come back into the office, right? These larger team meetings. We're seeing this idea that you don't go into the phone booth to make a call right? You actually reverse that in some way. This is the phone booth becomes a quiet space and then the main areas become actually space for interaction. So you don't want a library type environment. You actually want a buzzy type feeling to the office when you return. We're seeing this idea around neuroarchitecture and biophilia come into play with this idea that an office is not just four walls. It actually could make you healthier so that when you leave, 
you've breathed better air, you've had better exposure to circadian lighting, you've had access to healthier food. And then this is huge, Charlie. I'm with people who help my stress, who are part of a team and part of a purpose. Humans never evolved in isolation. We don't do well, nor will we heal. So when you're reinventing the office, you're thinking about all this stuff. You're thinking, how do we get my community together? How do I get them resilient? How do I manage stress differently? How do I do activities that bring light and excitement back into the office? How do I have people trust my space and trust my building again? And I think that leaders in the built environment have a huge opportunity to take the torch in public health, be those advocates and get people excited about space sharing community and reinvent this idea of what work is going to be in the next several decades. As Dr. Whitney Gray shares, she believes work isn't working. And that's been the case for a long time. Some companies overlook the impact the workplace can have on both physical and mental health. But other far-sighted companies, like Ericsson, see the value of an appealing, flexible office where people can get the most out of their workdays. That brings us to Evelina Kaushna, the head of Strategic Workplace Advisory at Skanska Central and Eastern Europe, and managing director at BusinessLink, based in Warsaw, Poland. When Evelina started in real estate 18 years ago, Poland was not yet in the European Union, and there were few modern office projects in the city. Now in the EU, she has witnessed firsthand the meteoric rise in office development right in her city. I have advisory background in real estate. So when we noticed during and after pandemics that a lot of our customers is really struggling with their offices, with bringing employees back to the offices, we thought maybe it's a good occasion to open in Skanska department which is workplace advisories. We are advising at the moment our key customers about what's happening on the market, how they should act, and how should they talk even with their employees to bring them back to the offices. And I have a pleasure to head that department in CE. We are also the owner, 100% owner of the Flex Operator, which is called Business Link, which I have a pleasure to be managing director. So that's about me. Let's just talk a little bit about how the role of the office maybe has changed, okay? So you've been doing a lot of research here, a lot of work among office workers. So what behaviors and even perceptions have changed with an office employee? I would say that those three years changed us a lot, not only as employees, but they changed us as people. They changed us as leaders. They changed us as employers. I think maybe it's there to say, but I think we started to treat ourselves more in a human way. We noticed that employees are also humans with the fears, with the feelings, with the families, with partners, wives, husbands, kids, cats, dogs. And they really started to feel differently during pandemics. And I think empathy started to be a trend in the office sector. And this is something very new because we never experienced that in the business world. Empathy was something very different from usual business. So as the pause, as this pandemic period, it was almost three years. So people even changed their habits. They started very often to ask themselves very human questions 
Like, why I'm doing that? Is that job the best one I could get? Why I'm commuting to work? Is the place where I'm living the best one where I could live? So in US, you had this great resignation because people really started to think about their health, about their well-being. They, I think they didn't want to live the same lives as they did before. And I think the biggest lesson learned for us in Skanska world, it was like we should not expect our customers to come back to the same offices they had before pandemics because their employees are not the same people as they were before. So first of all, we should start to think in the different way. We should ask them what they want, what they expect, how do they want to live right now? So it was a great pause for us to just reconsider because many of our clients, they had newly fitted out offices just before pandemics, like in 2019, 2020. And after pandemics, they said, Guys, our office is like brand new. It even smells new and our employees do not want to come back there. Why? What was the reason? Yeah. And we said we need to understand people what they want because they don't want to come back to the same. And what we noticed, which I think is something unprecedented before, when we are recruiting people, the first thing they are asking is what will be the model I will be working in? Before pandemics, it was obvious that office workers are working in the office. And now this is the question, like the first question they are asking, because what pandemics did, it showed that it is possible to work in some different places than offices. And now we have really this first competition in between home working and working from the office. And we as professionals, we know that working from the office is much healthier for the people. But we need to prove them that because as they started to ask that questions to themselves, they want to understand. They, they want to know the reason why. They want to really understand what's different in working from the offices and working from home. Because if somebody wants to force people, he will not win. Because in many also surveys, which we are doing, the people are saying, if you force me, to come back to the office, I will change the job. And especially in the jobs where talents are still needed, it's possible. I think with one survey, which we've done, I was very surprised with one answer. The answer for the question was that 30% of the people whom we asked, they said, I'm even ready to give up on part of my salary just to gain flexibility. So the people saw that working in the flexible manner is something they really want. And I think we really shouldn't force them to change their mindset. We just need to prove them what's better for them, what's better for their health, what's better for their well-being. And only then we will have people back in the offices. While I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, Evelina, I was recently in New York City visiting some clients that we work with. And they're saying you almost need to have a hospitality mindset, right? It's one thing if you're a green space, 
Are we a safe space, a healthy space? That's what came up during the pandemic. And I love how, of course, air quality and filtration and green cleaning was front and center for all real estate. But now we need to get back to being even more proactive. It's other features like maybe we almost need a hospitality mindset to really say, no, look how good it is here when you do come into the office a certain number of days a week. So what are you seeing that's working to help with return to work? We didn't want to guess. We just survey the people who are actually working in the offices and we ask them what will help them to come back to the offices. And I think we can group that to groups of reasons. First one is, I would call them the reasons around the building and the building itself, a kind of outside. And the second group is more focused on inside, so interiors of the space. So when it comes to the first group, so outside, of course, location. Location was always the most important factor when it comes to the offices. However, nowadays, this is even a more crucial thing because people don't want to commute. They don't want to spend hours and hours commuting to work. And we even ask them a question how long they can commute to spend longer days in the office. And they said if the travel takes up to 30 minutes, they can show up in the office three days a week. However, if that journey is longer, they don't want to appear even two days a week. So when we are choosing a plot or when we are choosing a building, we really need to look around if the access to the building is good, if the access is by all means of public transportation, if it's convenient to just walk there, if there are bike roads, if there is bike facilities for the people who are coming with the bikes, because this also started to be very convenient transportation during pandemics when people were afraid to use public transportation. So we have many people coming to the office by bikes, for example. So all those facilities are very important. So the thing where the building is located is like crucial more than ever. The second thing is, of course, amenities. So what happened here, and I guess in US and everywhere, it was very similar was the fact that during pandemics, a lot of retail operators just closed their operations. And exactly in the moment when the pandemics stopped, ended and we wanted to bring people back to the offices, we invited them to the offices with no retail. So the people come there and said, guys, I don't have a place to go for a dinner. I don't have restaurant. I don't have canteen. I don't have a coffee shop. I can't even buy anything to eat. I don't want to come here because I see no reason. So this is like the most important factor. People are coming to the offices to have that vibe. They want to see other people. They want to see that the building is living. So the most important for us as developers is now bring back life to the ground floors of the building. We want the retail operators to be there because we want the people to really have some fun before, after, during working hours. They should have the place where they can buy something to eat or even to do something which will force them to 
go out of their house. So people have that safe havens at their homes. However, they are forced sometimes to go out because they need to buy grocery, they need to buy a fresh bread, take money from ATM, you know, go with the kids to kindergarten. And if you have that things around the building, they think, okay, so maybe I will go today to the office because afterwards I can go to pharmacy or to do some other things, which I would have to do anyway. So it's good to have all those amenities around the project. The third thing I would say, it's all about sports. So the people love to have all the sports amenities in the building or around the building. So it's really important to provide the gym, to provide yoga place, to provide a running track. It could be around the building. It could be on the roof, for example. So it's very important to have that in the building because this is also some factor which makes people go out of their homes, going to the gym, for example. So today is my gym day. So I will go to the office and in the same time before, after or during lunch, I will go to them to the gym. So it's very important how the building lives. And this vibe is something which I think is very, very important. And the other group, the second group of the factors is the interiors. So as said at the very beginning, people changed and they don't want to come back to the offices to sit eight hours in front of their computers on the open space. And this is like from any questionnaire, any survey we are doing, people don't want to do that anymore. The role of the office changed and the people are coming to the office for different reasons. Of course, they are coming to do some work and sometimes they need places where they can do proper work, focus and do something in the efficient way. However, in many cases, they are coming to the office just to meet the people, to have conversation with them, to exchange ideas, to just maybe think about something that they could not think by themselves. So we need many areas, many zones in the office right now to just help the people to do that. So we, we need not only meeting rooms, but also we need some zones for workshops, for collaborations, where the people really can exchange the ideas. However, very important is also technology. We can't forget about it because still we have the teams who are working some in the hybrid manner, some in the office. So people have a lot of meetings and very often, in even in the modern offices, we don't have a proper equipment in each meeting room that people can't connect from any place in the office. And this is also very important. Why I should go to the office if at home I have better internet connection. Yes. So we can't forget about those things, like even the coffee machine. It should be really great coffee in the office because the people sometimes are going to the office thinking, oh, I will go to the office. I will have this nice coffee with my coworkers and I will have really nice day there because of many things. So we need to show people that offices are giving them something more than they could have at home. Though it may seem obvious, asking employees what they want when it comes to improving the workplace is an incredibly effective solution. Therese Sudolun Lakso is head of internal communications for Business Area Cloud Software and Services, BCSS, at Ericsson, 
a global communication technology company boasting over 100,000 employees. Therese, who's based in Stockholm, Sweden, echoes Whitney's belief that the future office will look much different, with an emphasis on the health and well-being of employees. She shares a few initiatives that Ericsson is taking on that front, including some that were launched before the pandemic, to meet the changing expectations for their employees. We started some pilots already during the pandemic in some offices, like Singapore, for example, we've had a pilot in Stockholm. We had already started to change actually the space. So that was already before the pandemic ongoing, which was useful. And that has been expanded and in some other European countries as well. And what we are trying is, of course, the furniture, the look and feel, the colors. We have very colorful designs as far as I can see, but mostly it's about the space. The collaboration spaces, more bigger tables, interaction spaces, and less seats, so to say. And then some small rooms where they can you can sit two and two or take a quick call and all of that. So it's a mix of everything. And we have based this and design on personas. So we have developed different personas for who wants to go in the office and what do they do there. So some people go to the office to actually do focused work, which you can do at home, maybe even better, but they prefer to do it in the office and there are space for them as well. And then they need the right equipment when it comes to IT, et cetera. But then we also try out hybrid meetings are more and more common now, if it's not the only way we do meetings in Ericsson, if I'm honest. And that means some people are remote and some people are in the office. So how can the equipment help us to be more inclusive on that? So that is also tested around the world and implemented where it has been working well. So look and feel, technical equipment, collaboration space, focus space, all based on personas and what our employees are looking after. The workplace has evolved a lot, but can you give us a sneak peek into what would you say is the perfect office? That is a very right conclusion of you. It has changed a lot. And in Ericsson, we switch from one night to another to have 100,000 employees working from home when the COVID virus hit the world. So that was a huge transformation. And I think what we realized quite quickly in Ericsson was that this will change our ways of working forever. And I think that is also was the good thing about Ericsson that we realized that quite quickly that we need to change our way of thinking around work and also the office, but also the home office. So it has been a journey since 2020 for us to explore the office and what you need in the office to be very productive, but also have the social interactions, but also the home office and what that can offer to you, like flexibility and being closer to kids' schools or whatever. So that has been also an improved well-being thing for our employees. That is what we see. When it comes to the office, there are, of course, not a perfect solution. That is my view. We have offices around the world. We have we are operating in 180 countries. So the culture and the spaces looks different, of course. But I think what we can see is that the space are used differently now. It's more about collaboration, bringing new ideas to life, socialize around a coffee machine or restaurants or pop-up food places, etc. That is, is more important now than I think it was before. Social interaction has always been important in the office, but I think that has changed a lot around the collaboration spaces and be able to meet and greet and discuss rather than sitting there to do focused work, even though that is important as well. Wow. Sped it all up. 
Well, let's talk about employee hiring and even retention, right? It costs money to travel to the office, but you alluded to there's better technology, there's probably all kinds of other benefits. So how do you have that conversation maybe with an employee you're interviewing? When you do come in the office, here's what you get. So how does that conversation go these days? In Ericsson, we do believe that the office will play an important role even in the future. And we have developed something called the 50-50 guideline, which means that we foresee that you will work 50% from home and 50% in the office. And our strategy is actually based on data and facts and conversations with our own employees. So it was maybe some people and some organizations went out and said, we are a full, flexible company. You can work from anywhere. But when we spoke to our employees, they actually said that they really enjoyed the office and that is important to them. And also the younger talents that some people say, oh, they want to be able to work from anywhere. Yes, some want that, but also some young people want to be in the office and they want to learn from the experienced people. In Ericsson, we have so many talented and experienced people, especially when it comes to engineering, that everyone can learn from. And you learn better if you sit next to someone, of course, every second day at least, and get to know them and can ask questions very easily, which is not that easy when it comes to the virtual world where you need to call someone or schedule a meeting. It's not that that daily interaction that easily happens in the virtual situation. Of course, in the hiring process, that has changed and we get questions on flexibility. But I think the 50-50 guideline actually is something that people are are encouraged after joining Ericsson because they want flexibility, but full flexibility is not always what they request. So I think it has been a great improvement to Ericsson with this guideline. One more question on this challenge we're facing of getting employees back to the office is just any other pros or cons you have to weigh out, maybe in different regions? Yeah, it's very different. We have listened carefully to our market areas to understand their learnings about people's behavior in coming back to the offices. And it looks very different. For example, in US, it has been really hard to get people back to the office. They don't really see the value. So that has been really tough. When it comes to India, many people have moved further away from the office. So it takes a lot of time to commute. So that has also been a struggle. But also for other good reasons there have been more flexibility so we've heard other maybe european countries mention that for working moms it has been more easier to work from home because then you can be closer to the school and pick kids up and drive them to exercises and all of that so that has also been a benefit but I think everyone understands that Ericsson's belief in the offices are important. So they want to go there and meet with the colleagues. And I think everyone has missed that social interaction and also the benefit of collaborating together physically as well in a room or during a conversation. So it has been very different in different regions and that journey continues, but we have left it also to the managers. This must be manager and leaders led to encourage the teams and and make them understand why they should come into the office and what tasks fits better there and all of that. We have a good model that explains also which tasks our employees see that they do better in the office compared to the home office to talk about that. So it's a very much a leaders-led journey as well in Ericsson. Would you say that you are already making some of these changes from not just sustainability and green offices to maybe wellness, real estate, healthy buildings, and then the pandemic hit, did it just speed things up for you? Or was it like, whoa, we need to go back to the drawing board and make bigger change? What happened for you? 
No, I think it actually speeded up the process. Ericsson is a very forward-looking company and real estate does a great job in looking into what office spaces are needed. And as you say, the sustainability footprint is always very important to us as well. So I think it's actually was speeding up the process on this quite quickly, but because it's not only about the spaces in the office, it's also about the equipment, IT and the digital transformation that was really pushed forward. Also the home office and what equipment do we need to offer our employees to be able to work efficiently from home? And that also has, of course, a sustainability target to it when people do not have to commute each and every day to the office, for as one example. So yeah, it really pushed us forward to take more actions. So what will the future of the workplace look like? To dive in on that, we go back to Evelina, who shares her ideas around one possible trend that we might see more of in the future a flex model, where people have the flexibility to work from home or maybe an office in their own residential or resi building. I'm expecting that the resi buildings, especially the newly constructed resi buildings, they will have the office component on the ground floor. I think it will be a kind of the flex space in the building. So for the people who don't want to commute, but still they don't want to work from their homes, they will just take a lift, go downstairs, and they will be in the proper office, probably managed by professional company, as it will be a new building, so it will be designed in the way so that all those things which you expect to have in the office from the technical point of view will be there. So this is my dream that We have a lot of maybe smaller office spaces in these resi buildings, but they are very close to the places where people are living. Of course, probably they will go maybe two, three times to the main office, maybe in the city center, maybe in some transportation hub, but they will have this possibility to work very close to their homes in these flex offices. I'm managing directly for the flex office. This is my dream that a lot of people will start really to use the flex offices and we have that in the resi buildings. Another thing is, of course, that maybe this empathy trend will even strengthen and we really will find a place for the people with different neurodiversity in our building. So the space will be really tailored for different people, not only for the ones who are the strongest one and able to spend hours in the office, we will take into consideration the other people and we will have the places dedicated and tailored to them as well. I'm sure this, all the things connected with ESG and carbon, I think we will go even deeper there because really caring for environment, this is something which should be very high on our agendas. And I'm really glad we started to talk about it. We started to act. And I think this trend will go even deeper. It's clear to see that Abelina is excited about all the positive environmental impacts this could have. For Therese, she believes the future revolves around people and that employees will demand more flexibility around where they live and work. However, she's also keenly aware of the value in human interaction and doesn't see the need for an office going away. Things evolve all the time, but what will always stay is 
the social interaction and having colleagues around you and learn from each other. So I think having a people-centric approach will continue to be the future proof of workplaces. Because I think we can we automate more. We use AI in that business. That is what Ericsson does. But also people are people. So I think that is, is one thing that will stick for a long time, even in 10 years. But the flexibility is always something I think will stay. More flexibility on where you work and how you work. And without getting lost of that social interaction is also to be continued. Maybe there are services that will change in the office, like what you can do in the office, maybe more restaurants, more services like washing your clothes or someone taking care of your dog. So you can have an easier life when it comes to using the office as well. So you don't have to go to the office and go into the city to pick up your dry cleaning or pick up your dog from a dog care center or whatever. So maybe that's in 10 years, not even 10 years, maybe five years in the future, we'll see services like that. And that's what I also mentioned with being people-centric. We want to have the best talents in the industry. And to be able to have them, we must change and stay close to the reality and be more future-looking. So that is definitely something we will look into. Sustainability is a common theme when talking about the workplace of the future. And Dr. Whitney Gray is excited about that future. We come back to her conversation as she says the old system has failed and wholesale changes need to happen to benefit everyone. She talks about the benefits of modern office places and what impact those can have on the people working there. I'm excited about this idea that work could actually energize people. So they would actually leave healthier than when they came in. Right now, work depletes people. It's where they don't want to go. It's walls that represent someone else's time, not your time. We've asked people in the past to not have identities. I want a place where people have this sense of belonging. They're recognized as individuals with different backgrounds, needs, and these sort of talents that allow us to flourish by sharing those. That's not a small task. We're recognizing individual needs. I want people to feel that in this space, they're breathing deeper. They're literally energized to work longer and harder. They're more creative. I don't want to see a beige cubicle. I want to see gardens going throughout the space. I want to find nooks and crannies where people can hide out to come up with great ideas and wide open spaces to see the horizon line so they can see the sunset. I want to see them incorporate energy activities throughout the day, whether that's great food and the ability to connect with colleagues, whether that's just having like a power moment to take a break or do physical activity and get back into it. Work is not nine to five. Work is not only in four walls. Time will be of the essence, respecting people's time and respecting their diverse needs as individuals and coming together in what we do best. Like we're not meant to be in isolation. And no matter how much people are saying right now that working hybrid is great and it's here to stay, it fundamentally misses the fact that we're going through a mental health crisis too. And we don't deal and heal well in isolation. So the workplace, the future energizes, it recruits, it engages, it creates community and it's resilience. I hope this is the last time we deal with the pandemic, but in public health, we would say it's not. It's the first pandemic of this 21st century. So we need to create community and resilience and we need to be in places that let us do it. And I hope we can create an energizing future that people are actually, dare I say, inspired to work. <laughs> As we've covered in this episode, 
the working environment is evolving at a pace which humans have never seen. With an emphasis on flexibility and employee health and well-being, companies are radically rethinking how to provide a working environment that will take size, location, configuration, and design into consideration to create offices that attract and retain valuable employees. Working environments of the future won't just be new spaces where workers work. They'll be spaces where people thrive. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Shaping Sustainable Places, a new Skenska podcast. And a special thank you to our guests, Dr. Whitney Austin Gray, Teres Sudalun Lakso, Evelina Kaushna, for sharing their time and valuable insight with us. To learn more about the future of workplaces or for links to any resources mentioned, head to the show notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to get in touch with the team behind the podcast, you can send us a message at skenska.com. That's podcast at skenska.com. Then join us every episode as we continue to explore shaping sustainable places. This podcast is brought to you by Skenska. We are a world-leading project development and construction group using knowledge and foresight to shape the way we live. Go to skenska.com to learn more. That's S-K-A-N-S-K-A dot com. Thank you.